Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, and well, whatever you feel like you are tonight, it, uh, it's Thursday night, it's Thirsty Thursday, and uh, tonight, Matt will be joining us just a little bit late. He's working over tonight because, you know what, all the people need the things, and Matt makes all the things, so there's that. And then, of course, people who don't make things but create things that are beautiful, we've got ourselves Mr. Ray Ito here. Ray, how in the hell are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> That's I'm good at the Ray. <laughs> That that is good, and I I know that people were concerned with us that, uh, you know, Ron Henry would have had to put a hit out on us or something like that by now uh, with all of our uh, Jono's turf uh, 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 things bring, in in our. Bring it but on. You know what? <laughs> you know, and it's good. So uh, before we before we make this about us, I do want to bring in our guest, Eldon from Renew Turf. How are you this evening? I am doing well. Uh, Honored to be on here with you guys. This is uh, no. this is great. I'm looking forward to learning a lot. So, well, we're we're looking forward to learning from you. I think that's the one thing that uh, oh, I think gets lost a lot of times is that uh, people, you know, such as yourself, putting us in it's really uncomfortable positions of trying to figure out what's best and and all that kind of stuff. That's the part that we enjoy the most, and then seeing everybody go out there and be successful. So. Tell us a little bit, as much as you want to, you know, share about where you're at, your business, what kind of things you're into right now, how long you've been doing it, and just how you got here sitting in this seat. Sure, yeah. So um, I I would probably have to say, first off, a little bit of a disclaimer here. I think I'm a little bit of an accidental success um, with what, I've, what we have so far. Same. Uh, to be honest with you, because I, 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 part of me is a little intimidated to be on this show because of the, i freaking love those doing those surf um uh snippets you guys do but half the time I'm like oh shoot i just did that like not too long ago i, don't, oh, I just learned no. that they're that not doing it's that. okay <laughs> so it's okay. no I, i'm one of those joes at least at least i'm not trying to put it on youtube i guess but uh anyway so I, i'm i'm out here uh learning trial by error i mean yeah trial and error out here so um i started um there's a gentleman in in Maryland that uh, had a company or has a company like this, very successful company in the uh, the, the DC area, and uh, got connected with him through a friend. And so between him and a couple of other people, they just kind of men- mentored me through the process of getting certified as an applicator. And um, so I I hopped in my '94 Ford Ranger back in 2016, uh, printed out, spent 15 bucks and printed out about 500 business cards and started knocking on doors um so uh without having a whole lot of yeah background in business or anything like that i just studied really hard researched a lot up front there um and just kind of uh yeah started simple started really small um so now today we are just over 500 clients um we service so um yeah it's busy around here a lot a lot happened so that was back in 2015 when i started yeah so the seven yeah, years and your five hundred clients in now. That's that's awesome. I mean, yeah. I don't know. There's there's just very few businesses like lawn care where you can do that. You can you can you know literally start and it's, you can grow as fast as you want. And I guess I think we'll learn maybe a little bit about that piece of it too. But I guess big picture, like what has been so far, like the thing you look back on is maybe your biggest moment of growth or and it might not have been just like in a moment. It might've taken like a whole season to figure out, but like what's been the biggest thing that sort of, you know, helped you take a huge leap. Yeah. So to be honest with you, I actually wasn't really doing any, um, 
advertising, I, I was strictly doing word of mouth and for a couple of years there, uh, I was actually turning work away just because I felt like I, I wasn't at the level, the knowledge level that I wanted to be to really take on more clients. Um, and then I was trying to figure out, you know, how to make the jump from, uh, you know, part-time side gig type thing to full-time. Um, so I'm in the military as well. So I was gone for seven months in 2021, got back in July. Okay. Um, I had one, one guy uh, working for me at, at that point. And then from that point there, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go all in. Um, and just started really focusing all my energy to this. And so I would say probably the last two, three years here, um, I've really, really uh, picked up quite a bit. So this year so far, I think we picked up another hundred um, just since the beginning of the year. So, Jeez. Well, I mean, yeah. the, the old saying it's scary. is- It's uh, honestly, you know, Ryan, I, I'll say this. It's honestly scary. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of afraid. I'm afraid to grow more, to be honest with you. But uh I know it's probably not the right mindset to have, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely scrambling for uh, just learning how to do the systems and processes and all the things that it takes to uh, provide the level of service. So, yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think I'll, I'll let Rage up in here in a second and I'm sure he'll echo me in saying that, you know, that you got to do, I think there is this like, I don't know, like, hedonistic like thing like oh i've got to, if i don't grow x number of percent this year i'm screwed i think it's personally is my own personal thing is like you know there's always more money to be made you could always make more money right if you put your heart mm-hmm. and your mind into something and, and continue to do it but at what expense and you know the way i look at it and granted like i don't have 500 clients my my business model is a lot different but I look at wealth in terms of I can look at our client list and say every one of those people like I am proud to work with them. They're good people. You know, I yes. you know, I would do anything for them, that kind of thing. And not having to take on work where you're like, like, yeah, I'm going to get paid. But like, I, I don't like this. Like there's there's a certain amount of wealth that's involved with that. But it's funny, though, that what you say and maybe you're right here. I what I take out of what you just said is that, yes, you've grown because you've put your focus into it. And there's this old saying, I can remember one of my mentors saying, which is, you know, where your focus goes, your energy flows, right? So like, if you yeah, focus into something, you, 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 you dive in, right. And you seem like that kind of person. So maybe if you put your focus into not necessarily the growth of the business, but like the foundational aspect of the business, the systems, the processes, like all that stuff, maybe that's the next thing that you need to go through that next phase of growth. I don't know, but Ray Ray's out there as a as a one man band, you know, he could probably talk a little bit about like what it's like to hit your ceiling and know where that ceiling's at. What what advice do you have about that, Ray? About how one finds their ceiling and when it's time to hit the gas pedal, hit the brake, or just you know ride that clutch hard. You know, for me, it's a matter of you. You kind of hit on hit on something very important in that if at any moment you are dealing with somebody and you say, oh dear, that person, that's your sign. If you find yourself taking on work, however, when you go to balance your books, the money doesn't come out either. That's also your sign. Because you see, I'm familiar with this you know, t- 
you know, tale as old in time in the lawn care business of 500 clients, 1,000 clients, 10,000 clients, big deal. Because what do you have to show for it at the end of the day? Well, okay, what do you actually have to yep. show for it? I mean, that that is my question that I always ask myself. That's the question that I always ask people that come on this show with this concern that I don't have enough clients. You see, this is not a measuring contest. Yeah. Your yeah. success, yeah. Oh, your wealth, your wealth, etc., is not measured by how many people you work for. I think my metrics are number one, am I enjoying what I'm doing? Number two, do I still have a work-life balance? And that's very, that's very important. Do I have a work-life balance? I'm laughing balance at that one. Because, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I've got, I've got opinions on this. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Long rip. All right, here we go. <laughs> because. What the heck is that? <laughs> heavy 420. Yeah. Yeah. A work-life balance is probably something that you cannot measure via money. Partially, you can. And, however, because part of your work-life balance also relates to how much are you doing just to do and have nothing to show for it. You know, those, these are all the questions that I that I ask all the time, and uh, the, those are questions that come with age. Like, there's there's a certain level of maturity threshold there that Ray has reached, and uh, and you know, I find myself trending that way over the years, but with baby steps. Uh, you're not there Ray yet has, <laughs> has thir 13 years of baby steps ahead of me but uh the, i'm gonna give you the converse of this and, and I, i'm just i'm gonna ask i apologize for being late crazy day at work work-life balance non-existent um <laughs> uh, is uh are you are you married do you have kids yeah i i am i'm married uh three kids actually uh so they're they're six three and a newborn so Oh, wow. Congra hey, congratulations. That. Congratulations. That. Balls deep. Very good. Very good. <laughs> yep. All right. So it, I, I do, I understand what it means to have a work-life balance. And, and here's, and I've, I've kind of got some, some wild ass opinions on this. You know, it, it, for, for me, the kind of person I am, uh, I, I, I have two options. It's either zero or 100. Uh, I don't have 90. I, I don't have 10. I don't have 40. I don't have 60. It's either zero or 100. And, you know, when it comes to, to, to managing that work-life balance, you know, it becomes cyclical, right? Where I go so hard, so extreme for such a long period of time, then I have to, I have to pay my penance and, and, and give that time back. Right. And for me, that's just what I have found works. And the reason why I have found that works is that when I'm in that mode where it's shit it and get it time, uh, I can build enough of a 
and granted, sometimes it happens over a long period of time. Like, you know, since since Carbon Earth went under, it has been just a fucking two, three-year grind of building, you know, financial stability back, right? And and not a lot of room for error or downtime over that three-year period. It is just nose to the grindstone as hard as you can, five, six, seven days a week, sometimes working two jobs, sometimes working three jobs, just, just to make sure that it's going to play out. And in that particular instance, there's no such thing as a work-life balance because the priority is making sure everyone in my household is taken care of. I'll be damned uh, to, as to my personal satisfaction uh, because because I've I've got to I've got to get that back. Like that that becomes the priority, right? It's no longer about me. It's about it's about being able to provide for that. And and I think everyone kind of goes through that midlife crisis of self-employment, right? Where um, in, in uh, have have you had other jobs where you 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 were not the owner or boss? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There's when you when you enter that world of self employment, the uh you, you know the 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 freedom that is bestowed upon you and um, that self determination almost can be overwhelming. Um, like I, I always joke that I make a better em- employee than I do a business owner. And I'm still like of that mindset. That's why I have a business partner who handles the business aspects of things. Um, and it's so I can stay in that absolute, just grind as hard as I can, uh, type of, type of mindset. Right. So that's what I'm saying is that when you, when you enter the realm of self-employment, the, the opportunities are endless and your only limiting factor is you, you are your only enemy that can stop you when you, when you own your own business. Right. Uh, because you can always knock on another door. You can always hang another door hanger. You can always return another phone call. You can always, whatever it is you got to do, attend, uh, uh, you know, hold a, hold a sign up, put, you know, park your, your truck in a parking lot at a, at a high school football game, whatever the case may be. There's always something that you can do to further uh, 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 grow your business. And I feel like that every business owner is going to have to go through a point, some point and learn the hard way of, getting getting out of the weeds into something that they that they uh can respect right and i and i'm not going to necessarily say enjoy yet but get to to the point where they can look at their business and be like okay i respect what i've done some people are going to get there quicker some people it's going to take years and years and years and years and years right and so while i now that i have and i'm speaking from my myself right now in in you know Number number two on the manufacturing business side of things, and it's funny how that actually worked out on the spray side of things too. It was number two with the spray side of things. I was happy with uh, I was I was uh, I respected what I built. Right um, now on the the second go round of manufacturing, I respect what I have built. Now I can start looking at and maybe not not necessarily right now, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel where I can start looking at the potential of developing a work life balance. So. It's not Ray. I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just saying is that there's there's a a timetable there to to begin integrating that, and and I think for each person that's going to be wildly different just based on what your personal goals are and what you want to provide and what you want to build and what a a successful business looks like to you. Um, well, Matt, Matt, you know what? You are not wrong about that because you mentioned something very important <laughs> or salient to this conversation is age. Okay, that's that's the big thing because uh, I don't look it, but I am fifty. Okay, 
That's the fact of the matter. <laughs> That's reality. <laughs> and being that I'm 50, uh, I want to be the kind of old man where I enter my old age raising hell, being a pain in the ass, etc., etc., and then I'm gone. But then, in order for me to get there right now and until that time comes i need to play my cards right i gotta think because i'm in an interesting situation where the only person who's going to take care of me is me there ain't nobody else so you know, I don't. So, I, have, so I don't. I, I don't have children. Uh, I don't have a. I don't have a wife. And that you know. sorry, guys, Sheila's she, Sheila's not responsible. So forget it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think I think that brings into a good point where you have to you have to visualize longevity. Go ahead, Demay. Well, I was just gonna say is like knowing all this and knowing. I mean, maybe you didn't have three kids back in 2016, but. You know, you probably had desire to have a family, all that kind of stuff. Like, what spurred you on to do this? Like, you met this met this person or these people that mentored you and everything like that. Like, what precipitated that drive to get in it, and what you know, what keeps the fire burning? I guess. Yeah, that's uh, a good question. I so I grew up in a family company, family business uh, that uh, it didn't work out for me to uh, to have a uh, an ownership share in that. So. Uh, I I honestly just wanted to see if I could. That that was probably one of the biggest things. Obviously, you know, you know, financial freedom. But I was young and dumb at the time, um, and so I don't know if a whole lot of thought went into it other than I just wanted to see how if I was capable of creating something from scratch like that, um, and seeing if the ideas that I had would actually work. So that was probably one of the. I mean, I know that's not the. The most uh, exciting answer, but honestly, it probably is what no. it is. Um, but now, now, now that no, we're here, obviously, is. you know, financial financial freedom is a, is a really, really big motivating factor. Um, not only for myself, but I really so I do have um, five employees now. Um, I have a landscape crew, and then they, so they're doing some mowing and some maintenance. A gentleman that just hopped on board as an applicator, absolutely crushing it. Shout out to Nate, but um. Nasty so, uh, yeah, yes. So he's, he's, an, he's an amazing guy. Uh, but anyway, so, um, where was it going with that? Lost my train of thought. I don't know where it was Just what so, you see for the business, where, where you're heading. Yeah. So, you know, being in the Marine Corps or whatever as well, I, you know, a lot of small unit leadership gets taught. And, and so I love the idea of developing people. Um, and if, if business can be a platform for me to do that, to see the people that, that come work for me live, uh, you know, a, a above average life and, and become financially free themselves. Um, you know, I, I love freaking winning as a team. So um, I'm super excited about that this year because we have a just brought a couple more people on here uh, for this season. So that that's kind of in my pants at, this, at the moment right now. I love it. I, uh, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. That you, is no, great. you go ahead. You go ahead. You do it I'm to me. I was going to ask. I, I, I share a lot of those ideals, so that's cool. Go ahead. What is your strategy for growth for 2023? So 
<laughs> probably not going to believe me when I say this, but I would say about 80% of my clients are Amish. I'm in the Lancaster County area, uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. So it's a little, little bit different in my market. Um, so, I, you know, I actually marketed for the first time. I actually just created a website here this year uh, that just went live like a couple weeks ago. Um, but the majority of my, my business has just been word of mouth. And obviously, it's a tight-knit community here. So um, so that's worked for, for the past couple of years. And then I just there's a publication that, that is kind of among the conservative Amish Mennonite culture here. Um, so I threw a, a big one page ad into that. So that's really that's really been um, bringing in the leads as well. So as far as where we're going from here, I this is where I I would love to hear all of you guys' opinions because I'm I'm trying to figure out you know what makes the most sense growing, what makes the most sense in the future. Because I I mean I love growth. I, when I said I'm afraid of it, don't don't take it in the in the way that I'm afraid. So afraid that I'm not gonna. I mean I I freaking love growth as well. So what I need to find out is. You know, obviously, there's the true green side of things and how this how this business is run, this kind of this or this type of business is run, and then there's the Ray Edos, <laughs> the Ray the Green Doc side, and so yeah, all the I way feel the like other side. where yeah, so <laughs> I need to find somewhere in the middle there. Um, in, in I know I can't I can't quite offer with the business model that I'm currently in. I don't think I would have the uh, the um, client base, so to speak to do what Ray is doing. Although I, I know I, I incredibly admire the, the level of knowledge you have, Ray, but it, for most of my lawns are probably, I would say average size about eight to 20,000 square feet. Um, just, it just wouldn't, wouldn't work here. Um, so I'm trying to find okay, that, that actually, balance. So I'm, I'm Elden, go I got to stop you there because you basically need to provide what your market wants and expects because to be honest with you the average continental united states lawn person would not survive five seconds in hawaii that's the truth <laughs> and do you know why they wouldn't fi survive five seconds Hit me. people here are so bloody demanding <laughs> okay, Matt. They're demanding a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd get we're, we're, we're Matt, <laughs> three quarters of a second in there. <laughs> but the but you know the other side of this is is if you are hat if you are servicing yeah. these larger these larger lawn areas, right, and there is an expectation level for these half acre parcels and you're able to meet those expectations. And you know what, Eldon, that's your ceiling. That's your ceiling yeah. is you are, you are yeah, going no. to just be, be turning out all of these you know, half acre lawns day in, day out. And your only differentiator Maybe some slight attentions to detail above and beyond what others do. However, here's what I'm also aware of is that when you're dealing with these larger areas, most people, unless they're here in Hawaii, tend not to be as detailed. 
And yeah, exactly. A corollary of that, though, is that because they're not as detailed, again, that's your ceiling. That's your ceiling yeah. right there. Yeah. And that, yeah, and, no, and, I agree. And I, so, I, so, and and so the other point that I have to make is because that is your ceiling, your opportunities for profit are, you know, capped due to due to that circumstance. You can do, you know, 1,000 lawns, 2,000 lawns, 10,000 lawns, whatever it is, but you're still going to make the same amount of money at the end of the year. What, what, when you say you're scared of growth, are you, are you specifically talking about fear of sacrificing the, or, or losing um, credit with with the reputation that you built by bringing on additional people, additional crews and all that, where, um, you know, Oh, renewed turf science just wasn't the same as when, uh, Elton was out here, uh, treat, treat my lawns. Is, is, is that your fear of growth? Yeah, I would, I would say it sums it up pretty well. Um, my, my face is what, is what, um, has built the company. And so I, and I know that I need to get past that, um, somehow. So, where I'm at now is the trying to figure out how to create the right system, uh, the right training system, the right process to, uh, you know, to bring, to bring more employees on board. Um, and just to have a, a rock solid, yeah. um, just a rock solid program for, for transferring what's in my head now into, you know, onto paper into systems and processes. So, uh, which is somewhat of a challenge, uh, since I've never really done this before. So, yeah, so I, you know, I kind of have a lot of thoughts on this, and I've simped a lot for a company I used to work for called Fairway Lawns, uh, just because um, a lot of professional and personal development took place there. Uh, and you know, I've talked about it before, but you know, my manager there taught me it was okay to stand up for myself. And uh, and as a company, I was given a lot of liberty to carry the tools on my truck that I needed to do the type of job that I wanted to do. Right. And being given that, uh, I'll use the word respect again, uh, given that respect and responsibility, um, it helped, helped keep the fire lit, uh, in my, in my, you know, professional journey, even though I was just an employee, I, I wanted to do the best that I possibly could. I wanted company recognition. I wanted customer recognition. Uh, you know, and I, I wanted it to be such that if if I was on vacation and someone else treated one of my lawns, that immediately the 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 customer was going to call in and, and be like, "Why why did Corey spray my yard today?" And they'd be like, "Oh, well, Matt was out of town." And we'd be like, mm, "Can you have Corey call me because I need to make sure that he did what Matt does?" You know, like I I got off on that. Right? There's there's something about that that I'm like, that's that's right. That's how bad badass I am. Is that anyone who steps foot on my properties immediately? They're apprehensive about, right? So I digress. Uh, you know, Fairway Lawns was one, had great systems and structures. It was not a lot of, uh, of, of training that went into it. It was more of just the culture that was there. Um, now, mm -hmm. granted, yeah. Fairway typically hired people that were already applicators. Uh, and, and one of the things that I learned there is that if you looked at everybody in the room, uh, everybody, 
had a completely different background, but everybody was kind of in the same place in life, either uh, uh, uh about to get married or recently married, uh, planning on having children or just had children, right? I mean, we all had that same kind of like position where we were in life. There was a couple of old heads that were that were around that, uh, that you know, had been there for 10, 15, 20 years and, you know, had had done the damn thing, right? And, and you know, they were, they were still there. Um, but for the most part, us that were out there shitting and getting it all day, every day, I mean, we were all kind of in the same stage of life, right? Um, so that was kind of a fascinating part, uh, uh, part as well, too. So one tech on every lawn in that route all year long for every application. Uh, that one tech was the one who went out and, and quoted every property in that route, right? So as a, as a new lead comes in and it's within someone else's route, uh, then it goes to the, that person who's routed in. I, I'm not going 20 miles away to go run a lead on a sure. yard that I'll never treat, right? Yeah. So the tech... Is, is going to run the quote that is going to be doing the applications. Therefore, I'm responsible for that sell as well too, right? So um, I go out there, I do the measurement, I leave the quote. And uh, and then if I don't hear from them in a day or two, I'm there at eight o'clock at night. We used to have call nights where, uh, you know, manager would order pizzas and we'd sit around and drink beer and uh, sometimes, sometimes bourbon and uh, and call our, our quotes that we've run that we haven't heard anything back or Cancel customers. We call back and just take a night and call till ten o'clock at night. And you know, by the time ten o'clock rolls around, most everybody that answers the phone is angry with you anyway. But you know, you you work around it, right? And uh, and it and it became more of a camaraderie thing too because you knew you would be calling an asshole. You'd put it on speakerphone, and uh, and everybody's sitting around listening to you chum it up because you're all four drinks in with uh, with the dude who absolutely hates your guts, and you're just calling him to fuck with him at that point, right? So. Um, you know, that, that culture and that experience, it was, you know, that, that was always one thing that I wanted to replicate. Never, never could to the degree they did, but they're also a much larger company that have been around for a long time. And so I'm sure they have decades that went into building that. Right. And, uh, and so I wouldn't beat yourself up if you don't get it right the first year. Uh, it, it takes, it takes time and energy and effort to, in order to be able to develop it. But, but that was one system that I personally really enjoyed working in. I mean, every day, I just absolutely enjoyed every day going to work and working in that kind of environment. Where were you going with it, Demay? I was, well, a couple of things. Like, like, what's the business side of it and then the, the, the people side of it. So, I guess on the business side, like, understanding how you want to grow, you need to figure out where you're going first, right? So, do you want this to always be just a single location and you're operating out of that? Are you going to move to, you know, do you want to open locations going towards Philly? Do you want to open locations going towards Harrisburg? Like I'm a little familiar with Lancaster and I understand it. Like, so, you know, you got some options there about what you do. So how do you see it? You know, is it always just going to be right there in Lancaster's home and we're not going anywhere? Or is it, Hey, you know, I wouldn't mind having an office, you know, closer to one of those cities, that kind of thing. Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I honestly, I'd love to get this thing to the point where uh, it's a franchising company. Um, so it sounds ambitious and, you know, lofty goals and all that. But um, sure. yeah, like I said, I'd love to get to see if we can get this to some sort of a franchisable company and, um, you know, in, into, you know, 10, 15 million dollar company of, of, of some kind. So whether that's, you know, a local company here or whether we branch out in different satellite satellite locations. Um, I'm really sure, but yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, I huh. again, I'm not stopping. I mean, I see the opportunity. I see a lot 
uh, more out there. So uh, it's just a matter of putting the right pieces of the puzzle together to get there. So I yeah, don't know if that answers yeah, no, it does. I mean, it just helps. It informs. I mean, again, like you know, what you need to do to grow. You know, like you said, SOPs, processes, all those things. I mean, those are the things that are going to make your business. You know, the, raise the multiples, right? Like if it's if that's the extra strategy, or even if you do keep it, right, and have those there. Like the whole point is that, you know, you're you're never probably going to be a passive business owner in a lawn care space. I mean, that's pretty hard to do. But you know, you want to make it so that if you have to step away for few days few weeks whatever that you know shit doesn't fall apart i mean that's that's the yeah. end of your business right so yeah, absolutely i think yeah. that's 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 definitely a consideration there you know on the people side of things you know as far as putting a training program together i i honestly think about that i had this conversation it's funny you mentioned you know the size of company that you're trying to grow to so a good friend of mine has a uh a company here in the midwest that is probably i'd say uh, 17 18 million a year I mean, a, a big company and that is a uh, family business. He's the second generation owner of it. And, um, you know, the one thing I asked him about that, you know, he's talking about his training program this year and everything. And so what's working and what's not. And he was like, I'll tell you what, telling people what to do is some of the dumbest shit we've ever done. And we did it for a long, long time. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's like, now we tell people how to do something and why they should be doing it or how to make yep. a decision if they're faced with this situation, like very situational yep. type things where you're going to encounter this. And this is, you know, 75% of the time it's going to be this 20% of the time it's going to be this. The other 5%, you need to pick up the phone and call us, you know, or send a picture of it to us or whatever. And he's like the amount of BS calls that we get, you know, from our techs or, you know, good reports of information that we can either upsell on or that we can take action on right to head off a potential complaint, a callback, whatever, he's like, it's just been a game changer, you know, for us in terms of, you know, customer retention, satisfaction, you know, callbacks, profitability, like all these different metrics, right, that are up because of that. And uh, I think that's, the, the, it was interesting to have that conversation with him because uh, they spend a lot of time on their training program. And so, you know, they've kind of gone back to more of a, you know, a fundamental basic turf type approach of like teaching people, Hey, this is, you know, the type, these are the type of grasses you're going to see up there. Here's some of the common problems. Here's some of the questions you might get. Here are some of the situations you might face and kind of walking folks through that. Right. And then allowing them as they encounter those situations. That's the other thing you mentioned too. He's like, you know, it's not everybody. It's not every one of our techs. You know, there's some guys that just want to come in, do their eight and, you know, get their money, you know, get their revenue goals in for the day and they're out, you know? Um, but he said there's there seems to be more of a push from those folks to understand and explain more because in his business it's interesting it's like everybody has their route and that is like that they have a base plus their route goals and that's what is their salary for the year right so the more okay. they upsell yeah. there's a lot there there's a good portion of their compensation that's tied to that piece right okay. so the more they know and the more they can consult with the customer on site and sell that right then and there the better they do so, you know, that's kind of how this owner has sort of leaned into that of like, listen, like this isn't just to tell you how to do your job so that, you know, you make me money. This is so you can make money too. And, and there seems to be a little bit more buy-in on that route. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but as he's talking to me about this, he's a very smart guy, even smart, you know, way smarter than me, uh, even smarter than some of a lot of the guys that I've, I've met in the lawn care space that are very, very successful. And, uh, 
I said, how'd you figure this out? And he was like, I just got so pissed off of, you know, the same <laughs> stuff every year. He's like, I just pulled a ripcord and tried something different. He was like, I didn't know how it was going to go. So yeah. uh, dumb luck, like you said, you know, sometimes it is dumb luck that is your success. And that's kind of, I guess, yeah. what he was saying. So I don't know. So how do so, you train your folks now? Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm figuring that out. So we, I, I'm spending, spending a lot of time with them right now. That's probably just, um, mm-hmm. that's the thing right now for me. Um, just spending that time and, you know, just having those meetings every day, you know, how your day go, you know, all this stuff. So I, I have a lot to learn that way. A lot to learn to get on paper, but I did want to ask you guys, I don't know how much time sure. we have, but, um, oh, we got plenty I, don't, of time. I don't mean to, to switch, um, to switch the, uh, oh. the trajectory where we're going here. But, uh, as far as, so I did promise a couple of clients that I would, I would take their soul test and I'd run them past you guys tonight. Yes. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then also I'd love to just do, I know you guys spent a lot of time with, uh, with uh, the turfology guys about their program, just kind of refining the program. So I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. I feel like, I feel like there's definitely some improvements that can be made with my program where, where we're at. And, um, and so I'd love to hear what you guys have to say right now. We're about a, most of our clients are at a five, a five step program without any kind of fungicide applications, fungicides, um, see fungicides, liming, soil testing, all that's upsells for me. Um, but I'll, okay. whatever you guys want to do first, you want to do the soil test first or the, uh, or the program, whatever makes yeah, most go, sense. Let's see, go, uh, go ahead and just real quick, run through your five steps. Okay. So this year, uh, yeah. So around one was it, was it 15010? Yeah. 15010 with 5% iron. Um, the round two was, is T zone. All right. So uh, T zone and then the halfway to dimension. <laughs> Uh, round three is a 1007 um, with a midocloprid, uh, the Protego, whatever that Lambda Cyclo. I don't even know what the heck the other one is, but I get a lot of uh, get a lot of requests for kick control, so that's that's why we went that direction. Uh, and then, so that's um, April, May, June. We're not doing a whole lot in mid July to August, just because of the heat and the and the, the disease pressure and stuff. I'll probably be pushing some. Um, some fungicide upsells here this summer, hopefully. And then in the fall, we're probably doing like an 1803 uh, and then another T-Zone app. So it's really, really basic and simple, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to start dicking around with that. Uh, let's let's go ahead and, and jump into the soil test because now that I know that you're, you're doing, we can look at the soil test and see what's applicable and what's not. Right. Okay. So Jay Pink, there is uh, I don't know how, how this works as far as pulling the ones up that I just, sent you, but yeah, just tell me the tell me the first name or whatever. Okay, there yeah, there's one called uh, there's one Mel Mel Lap. Um, start with that one. My boy Mel. All right, well, wowzers. This... <laughs> so you guys, you guys, tell me what you see because I I look at this obviously the phosphorus is ridiculous, and that that actually happens quite a bit up here. So. Yeah, so uh, you know, one thing I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be over banking yourself on that phosphorus number. I mean, it's not like you're going to need to apply phosphorus, but with that pH of seven point four, the likelihood of you know that all being you know anywhere semi available is is kind of non-existent uh, because of that higher pH. Uh, let me see here. 
Ray, I know what Ray's going to say. Ray's going to say, you yeah, got to this sure. with sulfur and citric yeah, acid. He He's going to go nuts. <laughs> so one, one of the things I'm going to mention here, too, and, and I listen to, I've been listening to you guys, here, and I'm uh-huh. hearing a lot of this stuff with organic lawn programs and stuff, but I, I constantly have to fight those questions. Like, is your, is your program organic? Is it, is it low chemical? All of these crazy, all these questions. Um, and so yeah. people that around here, they're like dumping manure in their lawns and it's, it's everywhere. So we, this high phosphorus thing is, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we, we do it to ourselves up here I mean, we're a farming community. Um, but yeah. it just seems like as long as it has the name organic or natural in front of it, it doesn't matter. You can dump it on your lawn and, and, uh, it'll get better. So I constantly have to fight that, um, fight that mindset and try to figure out how to approach it and, and be educational with how, or be understandable with how I educate them. And then in other words, to meet them at the level of where they're at, not to, and I know Ray, you got plenty of opinions on this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, that is the understatement. You go first, Ray. I got my opinions too. Go first. Okay. You know, with this, the you know, with this kind of a soil test, I'm going to tell you what my fertilizer program would basically look like. My fertilizer program would basically look like a few, a few pounds of nitrogen as ammonium sulfate applied in the fall. We don't need any more phosphorus because they've been slinging. Uh, Manure and uh, the sweepings from the barns, okay? That's understood. Also, I'd also save my money and not buy any more granules that have iron in them. Okay, please don't. Don't do that. Please don't, because because the reality is is that 5% iron is not helpful to you when your pH is 7.4 anyway. The chances yeah, okay. of that iron in the granule actually remaining in a form that's available to your grass is slim to essentially none. And it's basically taking up space in the bag for what you might actually need. Because if I were to go into the route of a blended fertilizer, I'd be throwing down a 101 formulated from ammonium sulfate and sulfate of potash. That's what I'd actually be applying. I wouldn't be applying 180 whatever. And while we're on the subject of programs, in an area with cool season grass, I'm usually not really a fan of a lot of hearing about a lot of nitrogen in the spring. And I understand that that fertilizer is used as a carrier for your pre-emergent and your grub control. But Uh if you have the capacity to mix your own pre-emergent and mix your own grub control, and and that's yet, yet another thing that I noticed. Uh, you said you used imidacloprid, right? Yeah. Please don't. Please don't. Because. So, why? Okay, here's why. It's because imidacloprid, to me, is so 1990. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that right now is essentially old technology. And on top of that, imidacloprid tends not to last through the season, especially if you have a wet spring and a wet summer. That leaches out so quick. And okay. the, and the, because for me, the standard for grub control in that situation now is a celebrant. So that's and right. It's a standard. Also, a celebrant. Yeah. Not just yeah. a celebrant. No, I, I okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I had this conversation with my, with my rep. And um, okay. so I, I wanted to go with a celebrant, but I, from my understanding, does a celebrant control ticks? I don't, I don't think it does. Okay, it does no. not control ticks. However, if I needed to control ticks in a mm. landscape or lawn situation, I would mm. not be slinging it on granules. I'd be spraying at high volume. Okay, I wouldn't yeah. put a pyrethroid on a granule. I wouldn't do that because I want to rip my hair out every time I see pyrethroids on granules because pyrethroids on granules are one of the reasons why I now have sod webworm and armyworm in my area that's extremely resistant to pyrethroids. Yeah, okay. because those products are used in that fashion. There's, you know, bifenthrin granule, or there's uh, lambda cyhalothrin on granules, or whatever, and it just does not. It's just not the optimal use of that active ingredient, in other words. And here's the other piece of actually being successful in that. Whatever product you apply or buy, I pay materials. So I expect that product to work as best as it possibly can. And when you have a pyrethroid on a fertilizer, that's basically handicapping the efficacy of that insecticide. Okay. You know, a, a, a couple of things here. Let me ask this: um, uh, What? Why are you spraying? You, you, you said round two. You're doing T zone and what? Half rate dimension. Half rate. Half rate dimension. Okay. Where's your other half rate dimension coming in? So yeah, the, the first round <laughs> is actually yeah. The first round is actually fifteen zero ten with with barricade uh, or or yeah. Diamine. All right. All right. So um, let me let me tell you, your program is going to look nothing similar to this, at least what I'm envisioning in my head. <laughs> I, I, figured, me I, I figured you were going to blow it up. Me after, too. Yeah. After, yeah, after I heard you guys talk about surfology, I was like, oh, shoot, they're going to blow mine up. So let's take this logically. Let's unpack this, gentlemen, uh, issue by issue. And, and when I say that, it's like, let's unpack. It doesn't have to be in this order, but fertilizers, herbicides, insecticides, and then let's talk about upsells related to those on fungicides and other things and how those might fit in. So just to keep it logical for everybody, because I think sometimes we get rounds, we start bouncing around. So 
let's try it like that if that's okay with everybody. So let's start with insecticides because Ray mentioned something about a celebrin, right? Okay. And and your rep said that, oh, yeah, you want to use a celebrin, but it doesn't control ticks, right? So the, yeah. at, at, a, at, a, at a larger level, it also sounds like you've got folks, and I don't know what percentage of your customers are concerned about the use of chemicals on their property. How What percentage of that, of your total customers, of your 500 clients are concerned at some degree about that? I would say one out of every three I'm having that conversation of, of some, of some, at some level. Does that deserve, and from a marketing standpoint and a growth standpoint, does that deserve to be its own standalone program that you commit a tech or two and kind of separate two different tracks within the business? And there's a little bit of crossover maybe yeah, here and there, but. I do, yeah. I actually, I do have it listed as sort of a low chemical program or something where we're fertilizing uh, and they're, you know, the homeowners willing to, to spot spray the weeds as they see them and just kind of keep ahead of things a little bit more. So yeah, we do some of that stuff as well, depending on who it is. Okay, but, well, yeah. We'll talk about that one in a second then. So, okay, so let's go back to insecticides here with your traditional five-step program. We'll call this the base model, right? All right, so yeah. that being said, you're trying to control ticks. Does everybody want ticks controlled? Is it is it is it all 500 or is that something that No, just... not necessarily. Yeah, no, not necessarily. Um usually so there's two kind of mountain ranges that are in Lancaster County here and those those mountain ranges are really bad. We're actually one of the highest places Lyme disease. I actually had Lyme disease back in the day as well, uh, nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. so that that is somewhat of a concern as well. But if I I would definitely not say that nearly everybody is is concerned about it. At the same time, okay. one of the things that for me, go ahead, Ray. Okay, and this is where what cuts into profitability is applying a product where it is not needed. That's the other profitability killer is why am I even slinging pyrethroids into a lawn that doesn't even have an insect issue? And here's and the reason why here's oh go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And here's why it's not even a matter of good insurance now, Elden. Do you know why Pyrethroids took over as the main class of insecticides in the United States. Do you know why they took over? No, because of their lack of per- their lack of persistence. You put it out uh-huh. there, and it's gone. It doesn't stay around. Mm-hmm. That's why pyrethroids are an acceptable insecticide. Whereas for me, the a lot of the insecticides that I'm familiar with dating back to the 1980s are not. <laughs> okay, they're right. not. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so here's the opportunity, I think, is to sell that as an upsell, right? That your tick control program yes. becomes an mm-hmm. optional piece, and now we're on like a monthly or something like that, just going out with Biofen and spraying it, right, as a separate treatment, so, and it's a separate opportunity to jump on the lawn. So you're saying you're saying that I would still do a celebrant as as a part of the preventative grub control for everybody. For the grubs. Then I would upsell the yeah. Then I would upsell for yeah. the bifenthrin for the ticks. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the bifenthrin yeah, you, you can also use the demand go CS. Ahead, ahead. Demand CS is actually a lot better as a tick pesticide because 
Demand-CS is also known as microencapsulated lambda cyhalothrin, and that does have an edge as far as persistence in treated areas, whereas for me, I don't expect to get more than three, maybe even four weeks out of a bifenthrin application. That's just the nature of the product. Whereas you apply microencap lambda-cyhalothrin, also known as demand-CS, in an area that is basically insect Chernobyl for over a month. Okay? That's insect Chernobyl right there. You're, and, out, yeah, you're now inside the exclusion zone. And, and, the, and the thing about applying for ticks now, Eldon, what I've read about applying for ticks has told me that the areas that I actually want to have my insecticide are in all of the bushes and high grass and the tree trunks surrounding my actual lawn. That's where yeah. the ticks actually are. I mean, I, I think uh-huh. it's actually kind of terrible to have all of this pyrethroid on the grass where that's not where my ticks are. My ticks are in the bushes, in the brush, and even living up to 10 feet up into the trees on the, on the tree trunks. They, the ticks actually live in the crevices of the of the tree bark. That's where I'd want to be putting my, my insecticide. I wouldn't want to be putting yeah. my tick insecticide in the grass and what, and so your rep is right. Aceliprin does not control ticks, but you know what? Aceliprin is fantastic for sod webworm, fall armyworm, and grubs. It is fantastic yeah, right. for them. Are, are, are grubs an issue for you? Uh, it's, yeah, they, they can be. It's, it's not always, a, it's, it's probably, I've seen grub damage made out of the first, you know, well, last year it was 400 lawns. I probably saw grub damage on five or six of them last year, um, with the ones that I did do grub control on. Okay. Uh, so, so your, but your, your primary purpose for, for round three was to have a dual FZ tick plus Grub control. That was that was the idea behind imidacloprid plus a pyrethroid. Yeah, it was. Okay, okay. Just making sure I understood so, that. What were you going to say, Demay? Uh, so I was just going to say this is that if you wanted to, and again, I'm not pushing one or the other. I think they're both fantastic products. If you want to uh, keep your same timing that you currently have with your merit, you can also use a product called Petrino. And mm-hmm. again, I, I think they're both fine. Uh, Tetrino is going to save you a little bit of money. It's probably going to be uh, like 20 to $30 an acre, something like that. But the same class of insecticides, a diamide insecticide, um, in the same timing, it's a little bit more soluble of a product. So that, well, that's why it goes down a little bit later, even though it's in the same class of, yeah. uh, of chemistry. Um, that being said, I, I think that the, uh, that should be, your go-to right and uh the other part of it too is then upselling the the tick prevention program right and you know you know who those clients are already but then you know you can talk to you know homeowners in certain neighborhoods you know ones that you know are are in and around lots of trees or whatever the case might be right to 
sure. to upsell that program. So I think that's a rock solid program. The likelihood right. that you get callbacks on grubs or anything like that are, you know, pretty much non-existent, right? Now okay, you're cool. going to have, especially, especially in an area like yours, like, you know, where there are, you know, it, it's a little bit more rural in some spots, right? You're still going to have animals digging around stuff like that. And I think the whole point is that you can pull that back and be like, look, no grubs, right? Or very yep. few, few grubs too. That's another education piece. Okay. So we've talked about insecticides and not only that, we've added a better insecticide. Now it's a little bit more pricey than your merit for sure, but mm-hmm. a better insecticide, fewer callbacks on your base model. And you just upsold the crap out of people on your new awesome super duper uh tick control program so there's that all right herbicides let's pivot over here to herbicides boys and girls so we got t-zone coming out in round two and then we've got our pre-emergence so matt why don't you break down as you so eloquently have in your video before but in a you know a quick blurb can you break down why we don't typically need to uh do a split app of two different dinitroaniline pre-emergence and what the the right, the right course of action might be in a cool season environment like this yeah so, so before, go ahead oh, 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 let him go i was gonna say real quick before we get into that um i'm just gonna tell you a little bit where my head is at head is at just so that you can so um my thought was that if i go down with barricade and again, I'm I'm, really, I'm I'm completely rethinking this whole fertilizer end of it too. But if I go down with barricade, I can get a granular, I can get a granular fertilizer down as well, and then and breakthroughs on driveway edges and things like that, where you know obviously the crabgrass is germinating a little earlier because it's getting a little warmer on those edges. So I was like, well, I can probably go back a second time. I'm going to kill all my you know dandelions, things that are popping up in the spring, then. And at the same time, trying to nab some of those early crabgrass plants that have just just started to germinate on my round two. So there you go. Now you can fix me. Okay. 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 All right. Okay. Who do you want to fix me? How how often are you seeing uh, crabgrass on your in your round two for lawns that got round one? I wouldn't say it's 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 not much. Uh, Five ten percent maybe. Okay, that's because but, you're applying it impregnated on a granule. I'll just be flat out honest with you. Uh, how do you apply yep. right now? Uh, I got a Z spray. Perfect. This is this is perfect. Okay. Do you know how to spread and spray at the same time? I have played around with it, but yes. no, no, no. That's we're. I'm going to stop fan. you right there. You you have got to develop that skill set. I'm going to tell you right now. That skill set will be a differentiator in terms of profitability and in terms of efficacy, however you have to do it. If that means you got to go get bags of lime to go right around in your backyard and fill it with blue dye and paint it blue (laughs) while you spread lime. I'm not kidding. Honest to God, my tech, that's exactly what I did. It was bags of lime and blue dye that just we went and sprayed in my backyard. And listen, we applied so much blue dye in my backyard, it actually turned the grass gray. It was fascinating, the, the color. We, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, okay. that we need we need applicator fantasy camp in Louisville. J-Pink, find a place for us to do this in. Get it on the schedule. But we're only doing it on permagreens because 
you know. Oh, fuck off. Look. Oh, fuck no. You. I will die on this hill. I will die on this <laughs> hill. I want someone to complain about their shoulders so I can slap them and call them a, a girl. Uh, yeah, anyway. I, I don't like what I have my shoulders with those things. <laughs> well, you, I'll give you a pass. I'll give you a pass All once, right. All right. one time, and then after that, I don't want to hear it ever again. All right, so Ray, barricade followed by oh, barricade. Oh, oh, uh, uh, is 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 going to be much more efficacious for you because the uh, barricade followed by dimension does not have a compounding effect. The whole point of applying a split application of a pre-emergent is to increase the duration and also increase your coverage of the application by splitting it up. Uh, and this is what's what's interesting is that even though they're of the same uh, 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 family, right? You know. Uh, but they're they're differing AIs. They do not have a compounding effect. So applying barricade followed by dimension is not going to extend the uh, the efficacy of your your barricade application. Versus if you did barricade followed by barricade, you would have a compounding effect there, and you're going to have a greater overall effect of it. Right. So they're they're synergistically playing together because they're the same uh, AI. Right. Versus switching dithiapir to or barricade to dithiapir, uh, you're you've got two different conflicting. Uh, 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 AIs there, not necessarily conflicting, but they're not compounding. They're not they're not synergistic in that way. So you're getting uh, okay. one efficacy, and then you're getting another efficacy on top of that. Here's the other thing: is okay. that if you think you're going to catch early stage crabgrass with T zone or dimension, you're not at how you're applying it. Uh, in order okay. to get early stage crabgrass with dimension, you have to apply it as a liquid with a surfactant at the full rate. That's the only way. To oh, do by that. the way. Okay, okay, gotcha. Never mind. And then with with T zone, you've got a little bit of a sulfentrazone spike in there, probably not enough to get it. So, um, in my opinion, that is that it's a uh, your sales rep is like, sweet, I've got an agency priced product that I get to add to my (laughs) my repertoire here. And uh, and I at least get that that monkey off my back for the time being, right? Um, okay. And then also with dimension is probably the same thing. Now that it's back in Cortiva, I don't know if you're familiar. This is I might be spilling some inside baseball that I shouldn't be spilling right now, but because Cortiva oh, yeah. bought dimension back from generic, right? So it used to be generic disappeared. Now that they bought it back, uh, the incentives to sell it for sales reps right now is extremely high. If you want your trip to Jamaica or, or uh, Trinidad or Tobago, wherever they're offering, I don't know what it is this year, but let me tell you, I've never seen uh, a dimension tech material pushed on the manufacturing side of this like I did this year. It was insane. And then you start asking why, and it's like, well, the people above me are asking for it, and then you're asking why the people above them are asking for it. It's like, oh, man, because we've got sweet incentives going right now. Like, oh, okay. Now I got it. I got it. I understand. So, okay. Uh, here, ahead, I, have, I have one more question for you, Eldon. What kind of broadleaf weeds are you actually treating for in the spring? What are you actually spraying out? So I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing a lot. Well, not, the, the lawns that I've been working on for a while, uh, not so much. But uh, I'm seeing dandelion, chickweed. I'm seeing uh, clover. Uh, some plantains here and there, just general violets okay. as well. Actually, okay, some violets, okay. so okay, let's just kind of like make this simple and make this economical because for me, in a cool season area, I huh? am an extreme advocate for a full rate application of triclopyr, okay. like, you know, turflon ester or off patent yep. triclopyr ester. 
And you know what yes, the sir. beauty is of off-patent triclopyr ester? It is so dang cheap. Okay? Mm-hmm. Per acre, that stuff is cheap. And here's why I like triclopyr ester. Violets. Bye-bye. Yeah. Uh, yep. Chickweed. Aloha. Uh, clover. See ya. And the other thing that I kind of keep mindful of is triclopyr ester by itself is 2,4-D free. Yeah. That is like a, that's something actually very important to me. And in as some states, as, I believe triclopyr is considered a reduced risk uh, pesticide as well, too, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it, it is. But, but okay. then my whole point is, is that when I am working with people that they're e- they either are conscious of herbicides or else, they don't even have to tell me if their cat or their dog comes to greet me when I'm, I'm looking at their lawn or if they have children. Mm-hmm. Anything containing 2,4-D is backburnered on that lawn unless I have a damn good reason to use it. Okay. 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 I, I'm, so, I'm just saying. Yeah. No. I, so, people, again, I, I, love, I love where we're going here because being educated and, and being able to explain why, you know, a celebrant and triclopyr are much better than, you know, the conventional freeway 2,4-D and all the stuff that. Plus the the, the two four D. Like I, lo- I love. What... Yeah, you, you you kind of you kind of like where this is going because you see, Dude. if I were out on a cool season lawn round number one, you know what I'd be you know what I'd be shooting, I'd be shooting prodiamine and triclopyr. That's the first thing going down on the lawn in the in the spring. And then round two, maybe some. Maybe some nitrogen. AMS. And then, yeah, AMS. And then, because you have a machine that can spread and spray, that's your second shot of prodiamine going down. Because you see, the only time prodiamine doesn't work is when people are too late with it or they're throwing it on granules. And they're getting junk coverage. Those are the two instances J- where I see prodiamine failing. <laughs> Jay Ping, will you share with me privately Elbin's email address, and I'm I'm going to uh, <laughs> uh, add him add him to this. Yes, you got yeah. it. And and so, so what? And so what I'm going to tell what I, so what I'm going to tell you is if this were me, uh, T Zone is gone unless I have a good reason to use it. I won't routinely broadcast okay. spray that. Uh, Diamine as a spray is in, and you know what else is out unless I have a good reason to do it? Dimension. Dicamba? Oh, Dimension. No, okay. Dimension. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. the, the only time I would ever break out Dimension is if I saw two leaf crabgrass and I were doing it as Matt said, spraying it out full at full rate with methylated seed oil as the surfactant. To make sure that I'm contacting those crabgrass. And oh, by the way, you know if you are spraying for crabgrass with something like Dimension, you're doing it through fan nozzles. Okay? You're doing it through fan nozzles, not through the lawn gun. And the reason for that is because 
dimension is dependent on absorption and retention of the active ingredient on the leaves and the shoots of that emerged crabgrass. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm the other thing I'm, I'm liking about this too is I'm seeing, I'm seeing a profit margin open up here. So one of the things that <laughs> Ray uh, or um, yeah, Matt, you had mentioned with tropology guys, you, you, you briefly mentioned that in the past you have, you run a straight AMS program. Uh, no potash, no uh, phosphorus, and it's worked out. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. that piqued my interest when you said that, and so I, I'm basically I kind of have my I kind of have my program pre-orders already in for the year for the year for this year. There's not a whole lot of this that I can change for this year, but we're basically formulating this for next year. So I I if I'm reading this correctly, if I were to do, and I still want to be at the lawn five times a year. I don't really want people to kind of think that, oh, I don't, you know, I, I want you here. No, you still are or... going to, you're still going to be yeah. on the lawn five, five times a year or more because yep. what did I just say? Uh, triclopyr prodiamine, uh, AMS prodiamine, then a citrino or, or a celebrant, pick your poison. And then in the okay. fall, and then in the fall, you're you're throwing down a lot more AMS because the you know when somebody has to frantically fertilize in the spring, uh-huh. what that's almost suggesting to me is they didn't put down enough fertilizer in the late summer and fall when they're supposed to. Their fertilizer okay. is too is too late in the in the late summer and there's not enough carryover and let me give you a good analogy for that how are you the next morning if your dinner wasn't big enough <laughs> i gotta ask not good right yeah yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah I, 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 <laughs> i'm one of those guys too where uh if I if I haven't had that half a pizza or that ribeye steak, I, I'm in bad shape the next morning. Just saying. But this is also true for grass. Where in the late summer and fall in your area, I'd be hammering that grass with AMS up to pound and a half to two pounds of in after August. Okay. I'd be hitting the okay. nitrogen hard. <laughs> okay. And by doing that, then you see how your grass comes out the next spring and see how much fertilizer it actually needs if you if you do that to it. See how much it actually wants and needs as far as its growth goes. Yeah, and so then, I, <laughs> I I've I've looked at all these soil tests here. You have one anomaly. Um, mm-hmm. and that would be Mel Byler, right? Um, yep. yeah, and, and this is one where you have extremely low phosphorus, which seems to be uncharacteristic, uh, for your area. What is different about his property compared to everyone else's? That is a good question. This one was so weird that I, that I almost thought that maybe I should go back and test it. it something just doesn't look right with, like you said, it's an anomaly. Um, but I will say the, the this gentleman, uh, has been bouncing around lawn companies 
he's got a it's the, the lawn itself is like fifty thousand square feet. Um mm-hmm. so he's kinda <laughs> complaining about the fact that, you know, he's spending all this money and it's not really working. Um and it's, so it's gonna mm-hmm. I'm it's gonna take some convincing probably for me to be able to be able to push more on this. No, 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 no. I, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna steer you ass backwards from that. You, you, there's nothing you need to push more on this. Um, this is one of those instances where you see this one coming up and you run to your big box store and you get, uh, you said it's 50,000 square feet. You know, you go get yep. 10 bags of, uh, of, uh, uh, or, or five bags of, of triple 10 from your home depot and, uh, and just go and go spread it on the yard. Right. Blast and, this lawn with one, one, one. It's going to cost you 50 bucks to get your, to get your five bags. And uh, and go and go put you know two hundred fifty pounds down on on his lawn, and it's going to respond probably harder than anything you put on it to date. Um, and you then and then that one is done. You don't have to go buy it a pallet of material unless you want to. You can get a better price on it that way and park it somewhere in your warehouse. And that you know that when you come across one of these anomalies, there's a probability that that's what you need to grab for that anomaly, right? Uh, I'm, actually, I'm not saying that it's you do it's this to world, everyone, right? Okay. Because I don't, I don't think so. Because they're all, you know, seventy to hundred well, parts per million of phosphorus. Yeah, but then for this, this guy though, Matt. Oh, this guy, yeah. Th- every every round. Yeah. Th- no, in, in this case, this would be the man with the pallet of fifteen, fifteen, fifteen in your in your shop with his name on it. Okay, that's going to be his fertilizer for a while. Okay. And the here's the thing that's good in your favor. His pH is not ridiculous. That's a 7, right, Matt? Yeah. His pH is 7. That, that's that's terrific. That means that you start throwing down 111 in the fall, his lawn is going to react and respond a lot better and oh, one more thing. If you can get that pallet of one 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 from a co-op, then your cost per acre is going to come down, and you're always going to have it in these cases where everything else on that lawn is good, but then the phosphorus is below fifty parts per million. Okay, that you're going to have yep. that in your in your tool shed for that specific reason. And you know what? 111 is a lot cheaper than, okay, Matt, you know what I, you know what really irks me about the turf grass industry? Hmm. How they, how they push these wackadoodle starter fertilizer formulations. That (laughs) chaps my ass because every time I've had to establish sprigs or seed or sod on a lawn, and I had the opportunity to do so. That always started by incorporating about, what is that, 250 pounds per acre of 16, 15, 15, 111. And I didn't mess around with some custom, oh, this is a lawn starter fertilizer. No, I just went straight to the one one one, and likewise for somebody that where their phosphorus is below fifty, 
uh, they are a candidate for their fertilizer program being based on one 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 until I mean, that number comes easy. up a little. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's cheap. It doesn't get much easier than that. No, it, it is, and that, and that's your that's your one anomaly. So you, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there that I saw a weird one. Sure. You know, there's and and here here's the thing is that after after a season of that, or and probably even into the fall, what you could do mm-hmm. is just run your ammonium sulfate in the fall, and uh, and then gauge it next year. You know, you start out in the spring, run ammonium right. sulfate on it, see how it looks. If it looks like it's not responding, then you know you can switch back to your one 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 and uh, and go gangbusters for a couple rounds, right? Um, okay, and, uh, and and let me just kind of stop right there in that what I look for or what I'm watching for when a soil test comes out with low phosphorus is I look for the following symptoms now, Eldon. Stunted growth in spite of a lot of nitrogen being present. Number two, okay. this peculiar yellowish-purple look to the grass leaves. Because you see, for me... I actually look for those kind of symptoms first. And then when I see those symptoms, then somebody is going to get their soil tested and analyzed. And then should that test come back with phosphorus under 50 parts per million, there's a bag of 111 in their future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay? that makes but then, sense. I can do that. But then the thing that I'm looking for is. The stunting, the yellowing, and the purpling. Okay. Grass is not supposed to yeah. have this weird purple tint to the leaves. Never. Well, well one of the things with this one, too, and, and for the most part, uh, the soil here in Lancaster County is really good. It's obviously a, a farming community. It would probably be somewhat comparable to the Midwest there. Uh, somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've heard Ryan Nord talk about some things. But up on the mountain, like every once in a while, you know, we have a mountain here and there. Um, it, it completely changes, and this one is up on top of the mountain, so it gets a lot of wind up there. Ah. So I don't know does that does that affect it? I mean, obviously, it does affect it, but would, that's probably another piece of the puzzle to this, in my in my opinion. Desiccation sure could be it could totally be a, a reality actually, if it's open and actually wind blast. What I'm what what I'm looking for is more if it's at the top of the mountain. I'm looking at more leaching and nutrient loss, Matt. I mean, we yeah, see I'm looking that. At, yeah, I'm looking more. I'm looking at more yeah. loss because you know why I'm thinking about nutrient leaching. The fact that his pH is perfect, and all of his other tests, his calcium is excessive. That tells me that there's a significant amount of natural leaching and loss occurring. Where how, it's how long out. has has that house and yard been there? Uh, it's probably been 15 years, 15, 20 years. Okay. Yeah. So long, long enough to have, you know, rectified any kind of like issues that come with, uh, with new establishment. Um, okay. Then, I got, then, I got so. one. Yeah. Mountaintop. I got one more weird question for you, Eldon. Are the clippings collected on this lawn? Uh, you know what? That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I don't oh, think they are, but I'm going to double check on that. No, no, you, you know, you know why I asked if clippings are, yeah, are collected know. on the lawn. Yeah, no, because that is yep. the way by which you can deplete nutrients fast. Okay, you can run yep. down nutrients quick if the clippings are picked up and removed from the lawn 
Whereas, you know that thing that Matt was telling you about how you can basically run most lawns on AMS all year long? Yeah. You can do that provided not a single grass clipping ever leaves that yard. Then you Mm -hmm. can do that. But the second that somebody is on a clipping collection program, you are then looking at constantly replacing the phosphorus and the potassium that's going away in the grass clippings too. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, I I generally, whenever I can, encourage the clippings to stay there. Mm -hmm. Okay. The, um... So here we'll we'll uh we'll we'll jump into this. I shared a Google Doc with you that has all this written down, and uh, and and basically I I did because I don't see uh you know even what I would consider a risky level of potassium, and I'm assuming you're growing probably all tall fescue up there, uh, maybe maybe some uh, so, of Kentucky yeah, bluegrass. So nuance to that, yeah, nuance to that. I literally have perennial ryegrass, tall fescue, and Kentucky bluegrass mixed it's it's every like it's there's oh, no the i have very few monostands up here yeah i have very few monostands up here and that's kind of frustrating uh, obviously when i get a chance to have a clean slate and do you know a newly seeded lawn or whatever i'm always encouraging them you know one or the other so that i can actually treat this and figure out you know what the problems are but yeah most of the ones even so a lot of them are older so you know people just go out they keep they do things themselves a lot of DIYers around here just go grab a bag off the shelf Throw it in a lawn, and so I, I, I'm left with you know a combination of all of them. To be honest with you. Um. The, all right. So Penn State mix uh, again, not really blowing my mind as far as or changing my mind on anything that needs to needs to take place. But yeah, it it would be, and there's there's definitely some some things where you can uh, replace urea it with with urea. Um. It's just I you know. You know, looking at your soil tests, half of them are high, half of them are are you know at you know dead nuts, six and a half or close to it. So you can get away with running ammonium sulfate. If you're real concerned about it, then you know sprinkle in some urea from time to time. Maybe you've got good prices on it, and you get a bulk discount on a truck. And one year you can go with ammonium sulfate, the next year you can go with with urea, and and then eventually at some point you will have to start supplementing potassium, but it's probably not going to be anytime soon. Uh, and a lot of that is just going to be the, um, let's see in Lancaster, you're going to be pretty heavy, dominant basalt, uh, based soil. It's, it's, your soil is going to have a fair amount of basalt in it, which is, is naturally going to be a a little bit more potassium rich than some of the other, other soils. Um, so I would just wouldn't worry too terribly much about, about that, you know, just fading away overnight and and you running it (laughs) to zero, especially if you're going to be returning your clippings, right? Um, then the other thing is too, is that for, for herbicides, you know, if you, if you like those all in one kind of mixtures, you don't feel comfortable getting out there and playing mad chemists. Like, you know, one of the things that Ray inspired me to do was just go buy active ingredients and mix on the fly. Right. And that's not (laughs) always something that's translatable across, you know, five technicians or six technicians. And the beautiful thing is, is that, you know, there are pre-formulated products out there like Battleship 3, which is affordable. That contains triclopyr, fluoroxypyr, and MCPA. So it's 2,4-D free. Uh, you get to, you get to, you know, leverage that you're using a reduced risk, you know, pesticide. Uh, and uh, in terms of overall efficacy, this, this product, Battleship 3, is going to be as efficacious as anything you've ever run and probably more efficacious than anything you've ever run, especially if you're, if you're running T-Zone. 
Uh, T-Zone is fun because it'll just color the grass, but that's about the only fun thing about it, right? Um, okay, I've got, I've got another one for him uh, that would probably be a good fit for him is Change Up. Change Up, yes. Very talk about that. Change Up, yeah. Change Up is another good option, and the reason why Change Up is good is that is, I believe, triclopyr and fluoroxypyr based and fluoroxypyr hits clover extremely hard okay fluoroxypyr uh-huh. is your you know night 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 for clover and at the same time you are not giving up any dandelion efficacy either you're not could okay? i could, could i throw uh Self-interest in next. I do have a bad nuts edge problem up here too. Whoa. Okay. Oh, hang on. You know, for me, in your situation, any lawn that has a nuts edge issue uh-huh. and they want it taken care of, what if I told you I consider that almost separate from your normal based five step program? Sounds crazy. But what about that's how I'm doing it right now? A sedge prevention program. Yeah, a sedge control yeah, program right because now. you, yeah, because okay. you see, okay. Eldon, when somebody has horrible nut sedge, what goes into their round one tank mix is six ounces per acre of sulfentrazone concentrate. Okay. <laughs> okay, that goes in because you see, you know why I paid attention when you said you. You use T-Zone. T-Zone, at best, only applies two ounces per acre of that sulfentrazone concentrate. It's not enough to... Not enough, yeah. Okay. To, yeah, yeah. You see, that's enough sulfentrazone to kind of scorch and singe things. But once you start getting into six ounces of sulfentrazone per acre, then uh-huh. that starts to go down into the soil and attack the nutsedge tubers and then here's one more for you you do another six ounces in your round two spray Jed, i do <laughs> i do i'd sell it as a three app program to do four four and four especially with the penn state mix uh yeah it's a little, little bit little it's a little bit hot yeah especially yeah yeah spray you you know that you can <laughs> yeah. split it into three and do only four ounces per per acre, and that is the rate that I find is tolerated even by otherwise sensitive grasses. Mm-hmm. It's well tolerated, but okay. the whole the whole the number that you, or the target that you want to hit is twelve ounces per acre per year of sulfentrazone. On these lawns that have an actual nuts edge issue, that should okay. be your goal to apply 12 ounces per acre in the year of sulfentrazone on those lawns that have that problem. That's your target. <laughs> okay. And you know what's going to happen when you hit that target? You're going to find that those lawns that have a nuts edge problem stop having a nuts edge problem in your second or third year. That'd be that'd be great news. <laughs> I, I I I do find out this uh, 
people don't mind paying for optimized lawn care programs around here as long as they work. Like, if okay, they, they provide okay, that, results. People don't mind paying. That's what I'm well, finding you out. Know what? So. You know what, Eldon? That can be something that you can kind of lean into in that, you know, if you can identify a problem and then actually provide a working treatment for that, then yeah. you can almost name your price and say, we do more than just sling 1802 and 3-way and some merit and have a nice day. No, we actually do the stuff that works. And yeah. because the other thing that I'm going to tell you about going that heavy on sulfentrazone is that it is amazing for other broadleaf weeds as well. Oh, okay. Sulfentrazone is an excellent tool. You know, that, that's a great product. <laughs> so, and, and if you guys, uh, if you guys want to break, come back to the soil test or any one of those soil tests, just let me know. But there's just a couple of other other questions I have. I want to run past. Uh, we'll run out of time here for you guys. But um, so, and this has a little bit more to do with um, lawn renovations. So, I'm always a little conflicted about how, what kind of seed to use to overseed because I get a lot of, especially my newer customers, like, "Hey, what can I do about my bumpy lawn?" Like. Just you know, I stop out and it's just like really spotty, bumpy kind of thing. <laughs> Generally, my recommendation is, you know, I, they're like, can I roll it? Can I, you know? So Harley you know, rake my, my, that guy, Harley rake it and then roll it. I mean, because my pet peeve has always been lawns that are so bumpy that. I feel like I'm going to lose a kidney doing anything on top of them. I hate that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are, are we saying bumpy is a function of grading issues with the soil? Or are we saying bumpy is a function of, okay. Yeah. So this would be well, an issue. Of you can tell. Yeah. You can tell the texture here is the, is a problem. Uh, this one got a disease last year, which that's the other thing too. I have, we haven't gotten into this. I do have a, <laughs> a lot of disease and not a fun, I don't have a fungicide program to speak of. That's just basically an upsell for me as well. Anyway, back to the bumpiness. Um, so my recommendation normally is to, hey, just let me come in here. You know, this fall I'll aerate, we'll overseed, and we'll see if we can fill these areas in the some of the texture issues. Am, am I am I off? Off my rocker with the right the right recommendation? What do y'all think? I mean, I think I think here you've got a couple of things going on. I mean, when you're this is going to be a fall time scenario. Yeah, I I don't like doing renovations in the spring up here. Yeah. Okay. Slope. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. luck getting that level. I mean, really. Yeah. You know, that's just the reality of the situation. You're. It's always it's, going to. Not be this flat. to me. This to me is uh, option A, option B. I can, I can, you know, maybe top dress this from, with some soil and uh, seed into that, and try to level this off a little bit. And what you're going to be left with still is, you know, these these grasses that have different textures that are all kind of in and amongst each other, and it just looks and it's going to feel weird under your foot with a mower, whatever you're doing. And there's not much you can do about yeah. that. 
it'll be improved, but that's kind of you know you're still going to have some degree of uh, this this uh, uneven texture, right? So that's option number one. Option number two is full nuke, and we're starting over, right? Burn it down. It's that yep. seventy thousand square feet right here. <laughs> okay, I do seventy thousand hey. square feet small for me. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, here's my question is if you could subject this law to a do-over, what would you do to it? Yeah, what would you do to it, (laughs) Eldon? I would probably, yeah, no, that's a good question. I would probably burn it out and uh, in a case like this, this is on top of a mountain as well. Um, mm-hmm. a little bit of a slope here, so I'd probably just go with, um, you know, a, once we burn it down, I'd take a mower, take all the as much vegetation, dead vegetation off the top as possible, and then go over with a slit seeder and an aerator, uh, and then just seed into it. Wow, so okay. okay, the because to me renovations or redos i consider them my opportunity to correct surface flatness mm-hmm. okay that's the opportunity that's your opportunity yeah. to correct flatness uh and make it so that the grass is as smoothly textured as possible and then of course bring in improved varieties that you know will produce a relatively uniform stand. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's and what the, this looks like. Yeah. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, because what I see in this is not only is this surface bumpy as heck, it is also all of these clumps and tufts of different colored and textured grasses. It's I can see it. <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, this was a contractor special trying to get some germination going really quick mm-hmm. on a, on a slope. Mm-hmm. And now now I get the privilege of trying to take care of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think that uh, that's just a situation where you know you've got there is a, there's a mixture of seed right of different species, but mm-hmm. they're not they're not matched up very well in terms of their color, their texture, right, all those types of things yep. that a high quality seed mixer can have so the only thing i would say other than that you know with respect to this question would be invest in equipment that's going to get you good results i i we didn't get to talk about this chuck benzing asked this question last week or the week before and i would love to dive into this sometime here real soon but the idea that aeration and overseed being the gold standard the only reason it's the gold standard is because it makes money hands down it's a terrible fucking way pardon my french but it's a terrible way to try and establish is just poking holes. That's right. You heard here. Uh, it's a terrible way to try to establish. And I think that if you want to do something to set yourself apart, there are uh, tools, implements, pieces of equipment, things like that you can do to set yourself apart and your results will speak for themselves. If that's the case, the other thing I'll say real quick too, with respect to your clients that don't want a lot of chemicals and things like that, I would be hammering the idea that, uh, you know, putting in genetically superior grasses is going to be their best defense against any of those pests. Right. Yeah. And it's not even close as far as, you know, 
natural products that we can provide or natural, you know, things that we can spray or, or processes, things like that. Proper cultural practices. So all the money, and this is the honest to God truth. This is what I tell folks that want to go that route is take all the money that you're spending now and then add maybe up to 50% because it could take that much to get to where you want to be. And you're going to put that all back into cultural practices and the seating and things like that, right. That are going to ultimately move the needle. Yeah because yep. just dialing back and you could say that listen we're 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 a dial it back on certain things you know chemicals and otherwise right but we have to augment that with certain things that we know are going to make your lawn you know good and healthy and be sustainable and all that kind of stuff and it's true um it's true and it, it, from it, a business it, perspective <laughs> it makes you money it's not just like well hey i'm going to go to the johnson house here and do one of those low input jobs and it's going to cost me you know i'm losing you know, 15% margin because, you know, she doesn't like chemicals. No, 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 no. I'm going over here because I'm doing, you know, our third round of overseeding this year, which most lawn care operators would be like, third round? Are you crazy? But <laughs> it's the truth. Is that's yeah. the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that you'll end up doing in those places. Uh, not only oh. not only to introduce those genetically superior varieties, but also from a nutrition standpoint, you're going to lose some stuff. So, all right, I'm sorry, you wanted to ask a question. Go ahead. Yeah, so... Back to that aerating and overseeding thing. I, I've never, I've always, I've been banging my head against the wall trying to figure out a better way to get seed to grow in some of these uh, these patchy areas um, where it's just not, it just doesn't make sense to burn the whole lawn down. They don't have the budget for it or whatever, but there's, I'm just like banging my head against the wall. It's like, there's got to be a better way that I can get seed to grow in these areas without uh then what i'm doing now which is again you know the aerating or receding or maybe even a slit seeder okay. like this thing or slit seeder whatever so you know what? what pieces of equipment or processes work Ooh. in this type of a situation i would love to show you okay. gray you go ahead and talk and i'll pull a video up here real quick okay the you just said it rather than poking holes in the ground several inches apart you actually do use a slit seeder and I've come to understand that the key to getting seed to grow is seed to soil contact. Absolutely. So what you might want to do for these patchy, ugly areas, if you're not doing a total reno, is you go over the patchy, ugly area with the slit seeder, not dropping seed in several different directions, Tear off all the junk with the slick seeder because yep. by the way, do you know how you know what I know the slick seeder as? We the call that in, no, we call that in warm season areas a verticutter. Okay. Okay. A verticutter. It's not a detacher because what we use as a verticutter here has blades on it that are capable of cutting in very deeply. And removing material aggressively. Yeah. Okay. In other words, if you've done it properly, you will literally see grooves cut into the ground. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that little springy thing on a on a shaft. No, these are actual solid blades that cut down. Yeah. And that's actually what you want if you're talking about okay. seeding. Is you want the okay. seeds to fall into that groove. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've used them before. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a great machine, but I'm, I'm curious to see Ryan, what you, or may what you have to show me from the, uh, from the uh, <laughs> athletic field. Type, now listen, type, uh, equipment. Now, now gentlemen, listen, this next part's going to be rated NC 17 because there's going to be a, uh, large Dutch individual that's spreading his seed all over the screen. It's, it's pretty sexy. All right. Jay Pink, let's roll that footage here. I put this guitar track on for Matt. Soothing. Lowers the heart rate. So, this is the uh, Barreto Turfix. Little guy. You can run on the back of the tractor. Utility vehicle, your spreader, uh, your Z spray, if it's got the trailer on it, could even run this bad boy or the uh, trailer hitch on it. But. Absolutely, hands down, their equipment for seeding is by far uh, the gold standard as far as I'm concerned about getting seed in the ground, getting it uh, where it needs to be, seed to soil contact, and getting it growing at a uh, very uniform establishment uh, rate and also uh, a very uh, high establishment rate. So, again, the money saved. So, like, you know, we, we do analysis on this particular piece, like uh, on a larger scale that goes in the back of a, you know, a large tractor, you know, like a 60 horse tractor, something like that. Okay. The savings on the seed establishment alone on that piece. Right. So, uh, you know, on that larger one, I think it's like, uh, she's like 175 acres or so. And you have your ROI back because your seed establishment rate is so much higher. And seed costs yeah. are way up. Now, some of them are going to come down this year. Ryegrass looks like it's going to push way back down, which is a good thing for some people. Ryan Nor. Um, but Ryan, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but the whole point here is that uh, that piece of equipment, it's a, it's a big investment. I don't want to say how much on air, but it's a big investment. That said, what you get back with it and the differentiator that you'll have in the marketplace to be able to do new lawns, existing lawns, all that kind of stuff is far and away better than anything anyone else is going to do out there. So again, like you said, if it okay. if what you said is true that people will pay for results, then you need to invest in the shit you need to get that result, right? So whether that's people, well, equipment, processes, whatever, that sounds like where your growth is going to happen. Yeah, I I have right now I'm looking at a list of about probably 35 to 40 clients that already want this service this fall uh and I, I mean i'm like well i can't i can't do that much i can't just go by hand and do this you know by hand I, i'm gonna have oh, to get equipment no. of some kind so you know I, i'm looking for the i'm looking for something that's actually gonna work um i mean obviously yeah. the ride on stinger aerator is awesome but you know you gotta you're running <laughs> over at least two three times to even make any kind of noticeable difference so Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah just looking I, I might have to, i might have to look into this thing yeah there's a rep uh one, one of the reps is actually out in pittsburgh so not a not a okay. close drive but not too far either so uh if you want reach out to me on the discord i'll hook you up and uh you can take a look i think he's he usually has a demo unit so maybe you can bring it out that way or meet up with him somewhere It'd be cool so that'd be awesome all right uh final questions here before we we wind this bad boy down and of course we're always available on, on the on the discord and whatnot and want to help you out so what else you got for us here uh let me get back to my notes here okay uh, i think i think that's about that's about what i had written down previously um 
So just a couple of side notes. I I did just move on to a 50 acre farm here last September, so I'm I'm trying to be Ryan Nor and, and got a couple of plots going now. So uh, we'll, we'll see where nice. that goes. But, uh, nice. <laughs> so we'll see. But uh, the other thing too is, uh, I I wanted to I'm I'm by no means and and I any good at doing YouTube, but I started throwing a couple of videos up online just so that I could have a little bit more because I I found it value or that my my customers my clients find value when i educate them uh when i stand there and i I spend a half an hour with them and i talk to them about why i do what i do so in the interest of having a being a little more efficient with that um i wanted to do a youtube channel not necessarily to be a youtube star but basically just to reach out to my client base to sort of just loop them in on what we do and how we're different I, but I am struggling a little bit on the, the I don't have, well, for one, I don't have time to really make videos, let alone edit them. But I'm just curious to see what you guys, if you guys had any, uh, anything to say about that, if I should continue to do that, if that's just kind of a waste of time or what your thoughts are. I on think, do it! I think, I think you should record <laughs> uh, two, two, two plus hour podcasts a week and then get bashed for it well, by John Perry. That would be my <laughs> be my recommendation. Well, to be to be hundred percent honest with you, I'm kind of afraid I'm end up on Dodo's turf. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, here's here's what I'll say is. Uh, <laughs> There are people that end up on Jono's turf that have that uh, I don't know. I can't say about Jono's turf. The after show for sure. There have been people that have been trying very hard and they were just making some mistakes and they've been guests on our show before. I think I can count. I, I went back and counted like nine of them that I can think of that were on an after show at one point or another and then ended up being guests. Um, Jono's turf's a little bit different because usually they're just straight up, uh, you know, uh, shit bags or they don't know what the hell they're doing at all and they they need somebody to rein them in. Now, that being said, I think what would be cool is, you know, shorts. And I I think you can do it two ways. You can uh, leverage your time, right, by making a video where, hey, I see something that, okay, this is an everyday issue. I get this question a lot. And you can also use it as a training tool with your staff, right? That is to, true. Hey, if, yeah, you, that is if true. you do get this question, here's how I want you to respond. Watch this 60 <laughs> yeah. second video that you can't forget. And you're going to get Eldon's elevator speech on grubs in the lawn. Boom. Right. Yeah. And that's powerful stuff. Like that's a, that's a good use of your time. Uh, not only for giving it back to your customers and educating them, but also for your employees of, Hey, like you're going to hear this and I'm not going to be there. So this is what I would say, you know, take it, you know, how you will and, and, and spread that message. So yeah, I think it's a, so, I, think, I think it's a worthwhile thing. One of the things to too, I, I, I love cooking outside. So I got, I got a couple of smokers and a grill and, and a lot of, I find that, you know, I'm, I'm in these backyards and, um, I see a lot of these, you know, tomato green egg grills, uh, beggars and all these things in the backyard. And I'm realizing, you know what, a lot of the, my homeowners share the same passion as I do. So actually it's called renew turf and Q because I do throw in some, uh, or the plan is anyway, to throw in some cooking shows every once in a while. I'm going to throw a steak and just show people how I do steaks and things like things like that. And just kind of do a really weird sort of twist, just to kind of hopefully keep a little bit of engagement in it. But uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But I, I I need to talk to somebody about how to get this thing edited a little a little better because I, I I'm technologically challenged uh, to be to put it kindly. 
<laughs> Fiverr.com, man. Best money you'll ever spend is have somebody edit that stuff for you and send it back the next day there when it's go. done. It's absolutely worth it. So, man, I, I'll tell you, I had a blast talking to you. I know that we could probably talk for more or longer, but, you know, there was a lot. Yeah, we're going to have to do this again. I, I, I seriously, I encourage you, you know, uh, go back and watch those segments. And if you have questions, I'm sure you will reach out to us oh, on the Discord, yeah. you know. Uh, Eldon, Eldon takes advantage of, uh, you know, the, the low, low price of, uh, three quarters of a gallon of diesel fuel in the United States right now, uh, to yeah. be a part of, uh, <laughs> to be a part of our discord and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just speaking the truth, man. I mean, depending on the strength yeah. of the yen and you know, how, uh, how OPEC's feeling uh, today, you know, it just depends, but, uh, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be it, worse. So. Well, yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> Uh, you could be, you know, have a a, a, a nuclear uh, powered house in Germany right now. Oh well, you don't need that. Um, yikes! We're getting into we're getting into burn return shit here. We're 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 Beep. crossing the lines here. <laughs> Bottom line is this: is that uh, you know, Eldon's a great example of somebody who has used this industry to uh, create his own future, to to make his own destiny, and uh, I, I'm excited with where it's gone. I'm I'm excited to learn more about what he's going to do and how he's going to reshape this program. And, uh, you know, I would also say this is that everything that we say is not the gospel, you know, take that as a starting point to jump off and research and do your own stuff and kind of figure it out. And, uh, sure. if you ever stop having more questions, then you know that you're finished and you should probably go like join the circus or do something different because you're never done learning <laughs> in this business. So, but Hey, thanks. Come join the after show with us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and we'll do the real Joe knows turf. Bye Ron. What? <laughs> oh. Good times. <laughs> <laughs>